On this episode of the Macworld Podcast, it's all about your hot takes. You have thoughts on the latest happenings in the world of Apple? Let's hear what you have to say. It's all on this show. Stick around. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. This episode is all about Macworld reader and listener hot takes. You have thoughts and we're going to share and respond to what you wrote. All the comments mentioned in the show can be seen in the show notes for this podcast on Macworld.com. And before we get started, as usual, I'd like to apologize ahead of time for completely butchering the commenters' handles and reader names. I try, really try, but as regular listeners know, I often get the names wrong. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the show. So let's get started. Uh, the first uh, set of comments comes from an article that actually columnist Jason Snell wrote. As most of you know, Apple releases betas of its operating systems, and Apple has a public beta program that users can join if they want to try the new software. And Jason wrote a column encouraging users to install the betas on their iPhones, iPads, and Macs. The reasoning that you can help Apple make better software, but not everyone agrees with him. TLG underscore Jordan tweeted, have you all fully lost your minds? That's, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a take. No reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think like a week before Snell posted his column, I think Mike wrote a, an article uh, about yeah, yeah. how yeah i wrote that you know betas are buggy and betas you know you'd not necessarily get any anything that you wouldn't get if you wait a week and maybe you should wait but you know we run a website and our website is filled with writers and those writers have differing opinions so you know what i say isn't what the site says isn't what jason snell says isn't even what jason cross says so we can have differing opinions on things depending on the week depending on the person and depending on, listen, we ha we have to fill up the site with something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's technology, I, I, and technology develops, and sometimes it's you know right. one state, sometimes it's another state. So our opinions will change on that. I personally think, when it, at least as far as the the uh, iOS seventeen issue goes, um, I kind of agree with Jason Snell now that iOS seventeen beta is solid enough. There's no great show stopping like, oh, but the battery lasts two hours and you know, or any of these other. We've seen some things where the betas at this point in the July timeframe and stuff were like really shaky. They were really like a heap of problems kind of for everybody. Uh, iOS 17 doesn't appear to be that way. Outside of making sure that something critical works, like, like I need Authy to get my two-factor authentication codes for kind of everything, including my work, but just, uh, you know, bank accounts and everything. And if that didn't work, that would be a, a huge issue. Um, so outside of things like that, like really mission critical things, making sure those work, I, I feel like the kind of person who's going to read an article on Macworld could probably handle running the iOS 17 beta. Would I recommend it to like my mom? No, she can wait. She can wait a few months for make sure some weird bug and she won't 
know that, oh, this is because it's the beta or something, you know. And she's not that eager to get a new feature, right? She's probably not going to use most of them anyway. Are you, are you saying your mom doesn't read macro chasing? <laughs> uh, not often. No. <laughs> if she really gets stumped on, has a problem, she'll she'll look there for a solution. But that's about it. I'm not even sure my mom knows which site I work for. So you're you're you're, you're ahead of me. <laughs> my only plug would be. There's a feedback app that will be installed. Please use it. <laughs> yes. Like when you have a complaint or find a problem or whatever, don't spend the next 20 minutes making a Reddit thread about it. Go to the feedback app because that's how Apple finds out <laughs> what your problem is. And it really does yes. matter – that how many people report these things. I, I, the assumption so many people make is, well, they have to know. Or uh, I'm sure this has been reported. But yes, but if it's more people report it, it gets prioritized. So yes, use the feedback tool to report your bugs and problems you find and whatever. And that, that was largely the point or one of the larger points of Jason's article is that the Apple – doesn't do this just to be nice. They do this because they want free help in getting their operating systems as solid and stable as they can be when they launch to everyone in September. I mean, they kind of need it. They're going to they're update a billion phones. There's just no way for any company to test to get enough data. You just you just can't do that. They just can't have one of every iPhone ever made like in Apple and go through a whole bunch of testing and that's enough. Like it's It's just simply not possible. Nathaniel Davenport on Facebook said, I have the Mac OS beta running on a family Mac, and it's been surprisingly stable, but I haven't really pushed the envelope in any way. I don't know if I have the confidence to try it out on my primary Mac, which has a lot of specialized software that I need to get work done. Yeah, I think that's one of those instances where we advise people not to use the betas if you're using specialized custom software. That's the big catch twenty two, isn't it? Because on the one hand, well, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to update, and then your stuff doesn't work. But on the other hand, it would be nice it would be nice to know it doesn't work and be able to report that to Apple before it gets released. <laughs> Our next set of comments comes from a story that Bloomberg reported about Apple working on an iMac with a screen that's over 32 inches. Apparently, that's something a lot of readers want, but not necessarily something they want to pay for. <laughs> Jason Dunn tweeted, I desperately want a 30-inch iMac, but Apple refused to ship one. So like many, I went with, with a Mac Studio and a Mac Studio display instead. I'm happy with both, but I really wanted a bigger than 27-inch display. Norm Pennant said on Facebook, I'm in on that in a heartbeat. Please be true. Jen Genzo said, it would also be the most expensive iMac ever. Brian Dugan said, and now it comes with the biggest ever price. Well, that's all true. Of course. But yeah. <laughs> it's going to be more than the 24-inch model. It's going to be more than the 27-inch model. It won't be as much, I don't think, as the iMac Pro. That started at, I think, $5,000. I do think if this mythical Mac does come out, it would be less than that. But it is, it's not going to be cheap. I think it's likely that it's also going to be – it might be called an iMac Pro or something, but I think it's likely that it's going to be like a Pro model. It's going to have 
not an M3. It'll have an M3 Pro or maybe an M3 Pro and M3 Max option or something. It'll be the equivalent of the the upper level Mac Minis, not the entry level. The entry, the regular base M3 or whatever will still be the 24 inch model. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's a tricky. The iMac's a funny thing because, like, you're buying a. It's a you know it's a great system. But you're buying a display that you can't use with with other things. You're buying a, a Mac that's stuck inside of this display. You can't really use it on anything else, and can't carry it anywhere. And so I wonder how many of them they sell at this in, in th- these days in this current environment where everyone's traveling. Everyone's either going from their bedroom to their living room or going to a coffee shop with their MacBook, whatever it is. Like, how many people? Who's the iMac really for anymore? Yeah, desktop computers in general. Are, are kind of like that. There's the gamers and then outside who just it's, they want the performance you can get from a big box full of air, air and fans and stuff. And outside of that, it, I mean, it's clear, not just in with Apple, but with all computers that laptops are the lion's share of the market. I think a smart thing for Apple to do would be to let the Thunderbolt port on an iMac be an input. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Let it yeah. be. Let be a display input, so it can it can enter display mode. I, I'm I'm not sure how they would let you switch to to it being a display, but let it be a display for another computer, so that w- when it gets old and you no longer want the internals of it to be useful to you, you know, you can just when you when you want to upgrade, you can get a Mac Mini or something and just plug it into your good old iMac display or you know, you can plug your laptop in and just, you know, if you want to see your laptop on your big screen or something. I mean, the iMac display, so if you buy the cheapest iMac, it's eleven ninety nine, and it's a 24-inch, 4.5K display. It's, it's, it's a really good display. Too small to, for me, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Size is, is, you know, whatever people want. I understand why people want a 30-inch one. I do wish the studio display was a little bit bigger. And 27 inches, like that's kind of like the lowest of the larger ones. Like if it was like 30 or 32 would be better. And I'm sure they'll come out with that at some point. But like these, the rumors of the larger iMac have been around a couple of years now since before they retired the Intel model. Obviously, people were talking about what the Apple Silicon one would look like. And I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're working on it. I just don't know if it's ever going to see the light of day. Something bigger than 24, because 24 just that, that feel starts to feel a little cramped. 27 is the size I've been using for desktop computers for a long time. That feels good. That feels like I could put multiple windows up using at once and it's, and I'm not crowded. Uh, and I can read everything with my old eyes. Thir- once you get over 30, that starts to feel too big to me. That feel, that starts to feel overwhelmingly large, unless you're talking about those ultra wide displays that you know, PCs have those, those have high numbers of inches just because they're not very tall. They're really, they're really wide. They're meant to take up your peripheral vision and stuff. That'd be, that'd be a trip if Apple did an ultra wide display. Yeah. I use, I have a Samsung one that I use connected to my MacBook Pro. And yeah, it's there. It's awesome. You know, the quality isn't as good as a studio display. And, you know, it's, it's not as pretty as a iMac. Yeah, an Apple twist on that ultra-wide display would be would be cool. I mean, I think if they seriously got into gaming, that's something they might consider, but not probably not until then. Even just doing sort of 21 by 9, not like the super, super ultra-wide, but 21 by 9 would be a big 
they, they would push that as an entertainment viewing device because there's so many movies and everything that that's true. Well, now they're just going to want you to buy a Vision Pro for that stuff now anyway. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the reports of the bigger iMac, we haven't heard anything about what kind of display it is. We haven't heard whether it's just a bigger version of the current iMac display or if it's more like a pro display. No, we, they have, like the rumors didn't really say. We keep hearing all these sort of confusing alternate rumors about some upcoming Apple displays and not knowing whether it's a new display or if it's a new iMac or whatever, but people talk about um, mini LED backlights, a lot like the pro display XDR. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe not as many zones or or as bright a nits or something, but like HDR with that. And then we hear, you know, things about ProMotion and this and, you know, it would be nice for them to do something <laughs> along those lines because the studio display isn't HDR and it's not ProMotion and it's not, you know, it's got speakers. But the Pro display doesn't have ProMotion either. There's not a lot of content that's really authored for over 60 hertz. Mm-hmm. That's more like a gaming thing and stuff. It's And it will run at like 24 hertz and stuff like that if you want to do those things. So that that's all about color accuracy and stuff but everybody else every other monitor manufacturer in the world is doing something they're doing high frame rates they're doing i mean high refresh rates uh, adaptive refresh rates hdr all this stuff and apple's just kicking around with their regular old dcip3 stuff they've had for 5k monitors that they've had for eight years now and they're still really good <laughs> yeah they're i mean they're fine for that content, it's just like when then you then you go use some latest nice PC monitor and something with a, with HDR or something, and you're like, oh, and they've got the TV app and everything on Max with all this like loaded with HDR content. Just okay, give me give me that. <laughs> Let me see it. One last comment about the iMac. Junaid Sadiq said, "Yeah, practically a non-upgradable iMac Pro with a hefty price tag. No thanks. I am better off with my Intel iMac Pro because at least there I can do some upgrades, if not at all. Well, not for long though. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. Like in three years, yeah. are you going to be able to buy anything that is used to upgrade that? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's running near its end of life for." Uh, OS updates. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, they said they'll support it with OS updates for a long time, and I'm sure they will. But so many of the new features will require Apple Silicon that it's like getting security updates. But 2019 was the last Intel iMac. I know there was a 2021, but I think it was just the 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 drive, the uh, Fusion drive. They they added like more storage or something. So it's Mm. been. Four or five years already. Yeah, it's an old platform. It's a 2018 Intel chip uh, or something. It's like a, it's like an Intel seventh generation chip, and it's maybe Mac OS 15. I don't, that's probably it. Uh, speaking of new operating systems, hey, that was a good transition. Yeah, <laughs> our next set of comments. We didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't planned. That just happened. We're so good at it; things just naturally happen. one of the new features in the upcoming ios 17 is name drop which allows iphone users to quickly exchange contact info using near field communications Uh, the thing is this kind of feature has been on android phones phones for a while 
And a lot of people really want to run with this concept on Facebook. Kenneth Young said, can't wait for my iPhone 14 to reach its full potential when iOS 25 is out. <laughs> Roger Fab Dude said, Apple taking lessons from Internet Explorer about staying caught up. Pedro Sustacia said, it's like iSheep, don't know about technology until Apple invents it. Luke Meyer said, that's Apple's market, isn't it? Old tech that's been around for ages. And John Lennard Honder said, Philips had NFC phones 20 years ago. Well, yeah, but it's not. <laughs> it's not NFC. It's, it's the passing your contact data thing. But yeah, they had those Android phones have had the touch the backs together thing for a while. Similar to what iOS 17's enabling, where you put the tops of your phones near each other. I mean, they're not wrong, but do you not want the feature just because someone else has already had it for a while? Like, I feel like that's even more reason why we should be glad they're finally getting around to doing it. <laughs> Here's the thing about our Facebook page, and maybe this is too much inside baseball, but I'm just going to go with it anyways. I'd say about half the comments that we get are from PC and Android fanboys. And, you know, when I say fanboys, you can tell who the fanboys are because they like to perpetuate the lies and they resort to name calling. It's all because they want to feel secure about the choices they've made. <laughs> The views expressed here do not express the views of, 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 of yeah. Macworld and its, and its larger corporation. <laughs> so there's a lot of that that happens on Facebook where people see the headline, they don't read the article, and then they make a comment about it. I don't know, in an effort to troll people or because they hate Apple so much they want to you know disparage the company at, at every opportunity or that's a i mean all right so in the last one they that that eye sheep thing that's a thing that people just assume that everyone who uses an apple watch or an iphone or whatever they're using is they love everything apple does and they 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 think they're wonderful and there's no criticism and that's for at least for our purposes that's simply not true if we like something we're going to say it if apple does something we're going to report it that's just that's that's our site that's what we do but we'll also criticize plenty yeah, the ironic thing to me is that they say that, but then at the same time, there are people who you would call eye sheep, and they we hear from them whenever we write something critical about Apple. They're like, sure. they, we get right. the message about how we're not true fans, right? Because yes. we're saying that Apple's <laughs> not doing something good, or they're we're not on their side, or we're not saying it's the best. And I don't personally understand that criticism because blind devotion to something that's not doing good is not being a fan of it. Being a fan of it is is saying, we like this, but we recognize the fault somewhere and it's got to be, we, we would like it to be better. And it, instead of just saying like, they can do no wrong. And that's also how companies, big companies crumble and fail is where they can no longer recognize that they're doing anything wrong. And they're just... I, I said this during our uh, show with David and Karen when we talked about Siri because uh, a reader posted a comment saying that, you know, Macworld complains about something and they'll just find something else to complain about. And my response to that was, and it's kind of in response to this other stuff, is I think pe people often mistake that Macworld are advocates for Apple, and that's not necessarily true. We're more advocates for the user. We're all about 
the user the user uh, experience uh, and helping the user out. And sometimes that involves praising Apple, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of times it also involves criticizing Apple because we think they're not doing something that's beneficial to the user. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so to kind of just bring it around <laughs> to the original <laughs> uh, focus of the story was that uh, name drop is a feature that's kind of been around on other platforms. And yeah, Apple's known for not being first with a lot of features. I mean, I can think of some features like, say, universal control that nobody else really does. But it's true, Apple doesn't really be first with some features. I mean, how, it, it, they literally just got an always-on display last year. That's been an Android feature 10 years ago. Yeah. And there are a lot of Apple people who downloaded the update and said, oh, wow, this is really cool. I've never seen this before because they they're not immersed in the tech world. They don't use it. They don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Android people get bent out of shape out of that. Like, listen, if you want to be recognized for, for being first, fine. It, that, that shouldn't really play into whether or not we appreciate and like the feature. Whether or not it was Apple was there first or not. Like, well, Vision Pro is a good example. Everything on there really has, as far as I can tell from a distance, I haven't used it, Roman tried it, but it's all new stuff. We will, when we get to look at it and try it out and, and review it, we'll approach it from a critical eye. It's not going to necessarily, um, we're, we're not going to grade on a curve because they're first. We're going to try it and test it and use right. it and see how yeah. it works. And they're first-ish, right? Like, there's, they're definitely not the first VR headset. Well, sure. Yeah. Or, or VR headset with, with video pass through. They're not the highest resolution. There's, a, there's some specialty things out there that cost $5,000 to have that uh, stuff. You know, there are things they're doing no one else is doing. There's things they're doing that other people have done, just not at scale. And that comes down to a lot of what a lot of the reason Apple's slow on stuff. It doesn't meet the quality or the volume that they need. Touch ID was a great example. That was on Android phones for years before Touch ID existed. We had fingerprint readers, and they were bad. They were slow. They were finicky and all this other stuff. And Apple's like, we're not going to put this on 100 million phones this year (laughs) until we can get it to be good and good in a way that we can manufacture 100 million of them. And they changed the way Android implements it as well. Like that is another thing. Yeah, it raises the bar. Yeah, exactly. Um, here's an example. Face ID is still not really mimicked at all on Android. Like they haven't figured out whether it's a cost thing or an operating system thing or a usability thing. Mm -hmm. No one really does it. Apple, that's Apple's thing. And it's great. It works extremely well, but they, it it, it hasn't, like Samsung hasn't really adapted it. They have versions of it, but it's not the same secure way where you can use it across all of your um, apps and your payments and everything else, and have it be super secure. Uh, it just it just doesn't exist. Yeah, they're they're doing it just sort of like a. It's easier to spoof. They're doing it with just a camera they don't have, or they're doing it with a camera, an IR camera. They don't have the full like three D infrared array of dots to piece together your face and stuff. You know. On the other hand, uh, Apple does do some stuff where it's just not adding much to the platform. Sometimes, like lidar, you could take lidar off my phone and I wouldn't miss it. Uh, yes, it makes things like the AR apps, which are already really not that great to use on a screen like that, a little slower to register and it makes autofocus in dark light worse or whatever. Like the things that I just don't notice. I've used phones without the LiDAR. I don't care. 
So well, maybe like uh, NFC in like five years when Vision Pro is everywhere, we'll, oh, that's why there's a LiDAR on the iPhone 14. <laughs> I absolutely understand it as like a precursor to developers and development on that, on the Vision Pro. Yeah, I get that. Those like memory photo things, like that's where all that comes into play, I guess. But yeah, mm. we don't we don't need it right now and it just adds another little spec sheet thing that they can say this phone has another phone. And cost. Like that's just the thing to me. Although it's not like the price would go down if they didn't have it. <laughs> they would just they would just make five more dollars per iPhone or whatever. Speaking of uh, features that Apple's working on, our final story for the show is about a recent report by Bloomberg's Mark Gurman that Apple has been doing its own work in generative AI for some time now. Uh, most people were introduced to generative AI with Jet GPT, and it's taken off, but people are wondering what Apple plans to do with it. Chat GPT and uh, what was it, the, the sort of Dolly and Stable Diffusion art stuff. Yeah. Yeah, those, those are your big... Tools. It's popular, everybody's seen this online stuff. Designer underscore BD had a unique response to this news with a tweet. Is it tweet now or is it? I think it's an exit or, or zit. Zit? Exit? Sheet? Anyways, their, their message said, a friend once quipped that it was Steve Jobs' goal to create the perfect computer, place it in a glass case, and not let anybody ever use it. I don't know why I picked that particular <laughs> comment. <laughs> Maybe because I felt like it was generated by uh, ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Is this person with. saying that they have this great technology and they're just not letting anyone use it because they're keeping it. it inside Apple. That's what I initially thought. That's why I wanted to bring yeah. it up. Is that yeah. That they it was an interesting it. report. They basically said German's report basically said Apple was sort of caught. I mean obviously everybody who does research in AI was aware of research into this, but they were caught really flat footed by the release of things like ChatGPT and Dolly and Midjourney Stable Diffusion how popular they were so quickly and how everybody sort of raced to produce products on them. Some of the top apps on the app store were all basically front ends for ChatGPT and that ChatGPT released their own app. The end, near the end of last year, they basically started a real enthusiastic project to build generative AI within their thing. They built their own framework on top of a Google uh, technology to develop generative AI technologies, not just chatbots, but other things that use generative AI to train them and build the, the text. And they built their own chatbot that that engineers internally started calling Apple GPT for, for yucks. And you can only access it internally. It's got no pretty front end. It's got like a very developer-y front end and stuff, but they've been using it internally for things. And the goal is to make some sort of AI announcement next year some product announcement, not necessarily a chatbot, but something. And they don't know what that is. They don't know where it's using, but already the pursuit of this technology has apparently helped in the development of Apple products, the things we already have. So they say, and I can see how the new transformer 
AI model that they're using for autocorrect and Siri in iOS 17, which to me has greatly improved both autocorrect and Siri. Um, you can see how that could, may have come out of that research, even though it's not a chatbot, just like a different avenue of generative transformer technology. It's it's fascinating that they're doing it, and I think it's going to be to take it back around to what we were talking about earlier. It's going to be exactly one of those things like Touch ID and Face ID and uh, always on displays and all these other things that Apple does. Not first, but in their own way, in their own scalable, privacy protecting, you know, polished way. You know, they're going to have something, whether it's turning your photos into new using generative AI to generate new photos from your photos library or whatever. They're going to find a thing that they can do that respects your privacy and is uniquely Apple in its sort of polished way. You know, in true Apple fashion, that could take two years. I'm not at all surprised that you know Microsoft and Google jumped on this train way 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 before and Apple's Facebook. car. And yeah, and Facebook because I mean that's what Apple does as we were saying before. They're not going to ship something to a billion people or 2 billion people, or however many however many users they have unless they're absolutely sure that it's rock solid and works the way it's supposed to. Look at all the issues uh, Google and Microsoft had with the product they shipped. You know, errors mm-hmm. in 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 the the Answers that it gave, and you know all sorts of privacy issues. And Apple's not doesn't they don't play that game, and they're not gonna. So yep. maybe they were caught flat-footed, like Gurman says. Maybe they kind of scrambled a little bit, but it still wouldn't have happened this year. Maybe next year. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's twenty twenty-six. Yeah, we'll I I think something will happen next year, and it'll be relatively narrow in scope, and then it's not going to be Apple GPT, a portal on the web where you have a person you could talk to or Siri on the web that's like a but I can really really see the value in something like a home pod being able to have a conversation with a home pod the way you would have a conversation sure. with like chappy gpt but it needs to be much better about not being confidently wrong and mm-hmm. have training data that is suspect and have problems with seeing things that are you know, racist or whatever, just because of where the training data came from, right? It's got to be a trusted, what, what Apple views as a trusted, quote, person to talk to. I could see it being introduced in something even narrower. Like a lot of programmers are raving about how generative AI helps them. So I could see that like Xcode, Apple's absolutely uh, developer app, have support for generative AI to help programmers out. So that could be like the way of introducing it. Or yeah. Or that would be a way where it's most obvious to people that it's a generative AI technology. Something like that. I can see something like there's all, all this research going into generative AI f- to make music. I can see that being part of Final Cut as like just to make a backing track. Right. Or even uh iMovie or something. Yeah, you know, just or mm-hmm. when you're just to hey put a put background put happy background music behind this and it will make a instead of finding a pre-recorded track to loop it makes one and then you can avoid copyrights and stuff that way so yeah i can see i can see those sort of narrow applications being first 
That does it for this episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 850. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast on the podcast app, on Spotify, or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter or X, I guess that's what it's called now. <laughs> that's at Macworld or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time.